Welcome to Tim Stodds FM, where each week we discuss new ideas and tactics to help you succeed in business, relationships, and life. And now your host, Tim Stoddard. Hey, what's up, everyone? My name is Tim Stoddard. Welcome to Tim Stodds FM. Thank you so much for joining me. My guest today is a gentleman named Brian Gardner. Brian is... I mean, there's no other way to say it. He, he's he been one of my heroes for the last 10 years. Uh, Brian Gardner is the founder and creator of a company called Studio Press. Uh, he's also one of the original uh, executives in Copyblogger, which is the website that I recently became a part of that's played such a big role in my life. It's been so weird these last couple of weeks being able to talk to all these guys and gals that I've looked up to from afar to get to know them and get like a behind the scenes on the journey, all the successes that they've had and even all the failures that they've had. Um, and in this conversation with Brian, we got real deep into what this journey has been like for him to create Studio Press, to grow it into such a massive company that has such an impact on so many people's lives, such as myself, to be a part of copy blogger and obviously the impact that that's had on so many people's lives and also some of his, uh, his, his personal journey with business and entrepreneurship. Brian has gotten involved with, uh, minimalism. And I think as Brian would call it a little bit more of like simplicity in life in business and in, in relationships and in just overall perspective. And we, we talk a lot about some of the projects that he's created and that he currently has going on with living a very simplistic life. It was great to talk to him. He and I have a whole lot in common. I think we could probably just ramble on for hours and hours about all the all the different commonalities that we have in our life. But in this episode, it, it is very wide ranging and, and we talk about a whole bunch of stuff. You need to listen to Brian's story. You, you need to learn from his experience because man, he just has a lot to share. He's truly, truly one of the pioneers of WordPress. If it weren't for Studio Press, if it weren't for um, the concept that he created on WordPress themes, the, the whole landscape of the internet would look totally different. And that's not an exaggeration. That's true. So again, it was a real privilege to speak to him. I'm very, very happy and grateful to, to be a part of his life and that he's a part of my life now. And, uh, and it, was, it was just a, a great conversation. So please, Sit back, enjoy, help me welcome my new friend, Brian Gardner. Hey, Brian, thank you so much for coming on my show. I really appreciate your time. Hey, Tim, thank you so much for asking me to be on the show. It's been uh, a few weeks since we've been trying to get this to work, but for good reason. Yeah, for good reason. And, and wow, what a journey it's been the last two months for both of us. I'm, I'm really excited to take this conversation and learn about some of the work that you've been got that you've got going on because I know this is a bit of a transitional period in your life and I'm, I'm excited to hear about all that. So for a little bit of context, um, <clears throat> I've been following your work for years. Uh, probably I built a lot of my whole entrepreneurial um, platform on Studio Press and the company that, that you've created. And just to say, it's like a real privilege to sit here and, and chat with you and, and learn about your journey. I wanted to start off this interview um, by giving a little bit more of your 
a little bit more about Brian because so many people know about Studio Press. So many people know about the WordPress uh, work that you've done. But I personally like have no idea what your life was like before Studio Press. Were you always an entrepreneur? Um, did you mess around with design and, and build themes but before you launched that website? What did you do before Studio Press became such a big part of your life? Yeah, I think uh, Tim, like many people, journeys right now, it's sort of accidental where you sort of back, back yourself into uh, a situation. Uh, prior to uh, starting Studio Press and, and getting into WordPress and, and any entrepreneurial aspect of my life, to be honest, uh, I was nowhere near that. I was a project manager at an architectural firm. Uh, we designed laboratory space for hospitals and schools and industrial facilities and things like that. Uh, and, and backing up even from that, I was a manager at a local convenience store that I had uh, worked at in high school. And then after college, I went back and managed the store and, and the customer of mine uh, came in and offered me the job uh, to, to work for his company. And uh, he just sort of took a chance. He, he needed some younger people in his company. Uh, and he and I had gotten to know each other over the years just as he came in the store often and I got to know him. And uh, so he, he had me working as a, an estimator uh, for the projects and in a company that was about 12 to 15 people. Uh, many of them were, were older. I was definitely the young blood. And so by nature of that point, uh, I kind of adopted myself as the, uh, the computer guy there in the company. Everyone else all kind of over their heads. And, and this was like mid, late 90s and stuff like that. So it made sense. So I sort of just started messing around with computers and teaching myself, you know, how to word and all the things and networking and just all the things we had to do sort of internally as a company. And so uh, as part of that, that was sort of the very early iteration of me being interested in computers and the internet and all of that. Wow. Uh, I went to college down at Southern Illinois University. I wanted to get into geography or climatology or meteorology or something like that. So, so nowhere near uh, business or entrepreneurial stuff or computers for that matter. That is too fascinating. Out of all the things that you were going to say, I never would have thought you would say you're a project manager at an architectural firm. Mm -hmm. was, mm -hmm. was, uh, so that doesn't add up for me, though, because you said that you wanted to get involved with uh, geology or climatology, but did you have an architecture degree? Uh, I did not. I, I went to Southern Illinois University for two years, uh, dropped out of school because I just I had no idea what I want. Many of us do. <laughs> wow. Early 20s, none of us do. Uh, I, I actually thought I wanted to get into those areas. And when I took the intro classes, I was like, I just don't know that. Like, what do you do with a geography degree other than maybe be a park ranger at a forest you know, preserve? And mm. like, I don't know what I want to do. And, and I was dating an older woman at the time. And my life was all over the place. And I was like, okay, I need to just leave college because this is a waste of time and money. So I went back and that's when I picked up my job at the, um, the convenience store. I asked them, hey, I'm coming back into town. Can I work again type of thing? Yeah, we need a manager, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and so fast forwarding into the architectural company, though, uh, late 90s, early 2000 uh, is when, um, actually, that's when I was started working, but it was mid to late 2000s when sort of the internet became a thing. Uh, and while I was bored at work is when I started really dabbling into like blogging because I love to write. I've always loved to write. Yeah, I've channeled that element of my inner creative throughout my entire life. And uh, I started blogging and someone told me about WordPress. And so I downloaded WordPress and kind of taught myself and kind of waded through like how that all works and uh, found myself more interested in it than I thought the, the creation side of it. 
both from a, a you know a textual a word a written standpoint but also um just from the visual side i was like these free themes that are available i don't like um but i could make them better i think and so i just started opening up files and hacked away and more or less taught myself css and the the crux of how wordpress themes are developed and uh from there is sort of when the the theme thing started happening yeah that's amazing so and that's a perfect transition i heard gosh it was it was years and years ago when i was still living in south florida and it was when you guys had first launched rainmaker fm uh the podcast network mm -hmm. so the podcast was so long ago, and I'm only saying that to let you know that I'm going to totally get this completely wrong. But I remember you reflecting on a story where you had hacked some themes away and you, came up, you, you somewhere came up with the concept of Genesis with the parent theme and you sent it out to a couple people and you got this immediate response where I think you just asked the question, what do you guys think about this? Something along those lines. Again, this was really, it's a long time ago that I, that I heard that interview with you. And uh, I believe there was when you got the feedback, you heard from other developers, other WordPress people at the time, and, and you kind of took hold of that idea and you ran with it. So that was kind of the second iteration of that story. The first iteration was even pre-Genesis, uh, long before StudioPress was even formed. Uh, and that was when I was just dabbling around with themes. I had built up a, a small audience around uh, what I was learning about WordPress and stuff like that. So I had a, a decent audience and I had come up with a custom design for a real estate agent in Boston. Um, and it was more than what he wanted. He actually wanted just a blog theme. And this was more of like a, the first sort of idea of uh, a full website with WordPress. And so I was a little bit bummed and I went to my audience and I said, Hey, would anybody like to buy a premium WordPress theme? Uh, arguably coining the term premium WordPress themes. And uh, a lot of people in the comments, cause back then we actually <laughs> had comments on our blog. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people, yeah, yeah, that's great. I love it. Cause I sent a demo out, a demo link out to any, anybody who wanted to see. And then I followed up on that and asked, you know, Hey, how much would you spend on a WordPress theme? Um, and that was sort of my first, sort of getting my feet wet in the business world, understanding sort of the law of supply and demand and, you know, getting feedback from potential customers and stuff like that. And so I took the average of what people said they would spend on a theme. And so I launched this theme for that much. Um, you know, and the story goes the first month we, we meaning I actually, uh, generated $10,000 worth of sales. The second month was 20, 40, 80. And at that point, uh, four months in, I was like, wow, this is uh, way more than I'm making now. And I told my wife, Shelly, that it was uh, financially irresponsible for me to continue trying to do both things because I felt like this was the start of uh, something pretty significant. And uh, I wasn't wrong. Well, you were not wrong. So you, you said something in there, which I'm trying to wrap my head around a little bit. WordPress, for people that don't understand WordPress as much, it's it's basically a blogging platform and studio press the reason why i loved it is because i'm not a designer and i'm not a coder and if i wanted to just upload a wordpress theme great i could have a blog where you know the home page is essentially a blog role where every time i post a new article that article goes at the very top of the home page and um and there's many websites that that's appropriate for but for what i was trying to do i needed to have an easy way where i could actually build a home page 
where I could actually create service pages if I was trying to put a website uh, together for my company. And I had no idea how to do that. So in, in your view, was that one of the real um, forward thinking ideas or, or concepts that, that Studio Press uh, came up with that you developed where you could create a homepage straight on a WordPress theme and, and really use that to tell a story? Yeah, I'd like to think so. I mean, the, the, the early stages of that was hard-coded text inside of theme files, which of course, we, as we look back on, completely not ideal for a typical user. Mm. Uh, but that was the only way we knew how to do it way back in the day. I mean, this was 10, 12, 13 years ago when WordPress was really, really uh, in its infancy. Of course, it's grown a lot since then. I'd like to think the, the premium WordPress theme movement as a whole, sort of the, the evolution of revolution and the competition that was derived from from all of that and like i think we just all made each other uh push the needle and try to go further and take wordpress in directions that itself wasn't quite ready for but you know the core team of wordpress has done a phenomenal job over the years evolving wordpress from more than just a blogging platform to a full cms so when was it that white space and minimal design became a part of your uh, let's call it a core value became like a core value of studio press because when i think of studio press i think of two things i think of minimalist designs a lot of white space i i always give the phrase giving the website room to breathe where you can actually absorb the story where the headers and the text and the bullet points it's all very very easy to look at it's very digestible and then I think of the Genesis framework. So, so yeah. when did that minimalist design aspect truly come into place? I would say 2015, 2016, sort of after we had a number of years behind us oh, at wow. Studio Press. Um, the, the story really goes uh, like this. I was on Twitter one night and Joshua Becker, who I, I was sort of loosely following uh, he's the founder and uh, the the origin of the the movement becoming minimalist. Uh, I was following him, and um, this was right around the time we were trying to, you know, get people off of other other themes and stuff like that. And he had a theme that uh, was being used ahead of sidebar. And I reached out to him and said, "Hey, if you know, I knew he had a big audience, and I, as a strategist, I always try to look for opportunities where I can work with people with big audiences." And so I reached out to him on Twitter and said, hey, if you're ever looking for a, a website redesign, please let me know. I'd love to do it for you. I do it for free, no problem. Uh, and he took me up on it. He wrote me back that night. And uh, that was the start of, of one of uh, a very few deep friendships I have now currently uh, is with Joshua. And so we redesigned his website and we removed the sidebar from his site because I insisted, hey, and that was at the beginning of sort of the, no, the, the very, very early stage of the no sidebar movement I created, which was literally... I just started getting sick of seeing sidebars because so many blogs out there would just add everything to the sidebar. And I, I kind of got it into like a purist mentality where I was like, I just, there's so many people doing things on their sites just because other people are doing them or because yeah. they're being told to do them, but they're getting in the way of what people actually want people to do on their website because of things. And, and I remember very specifically a time where I was like, hey, we're going to sell your book at the bottom of your post rather than the top of your sidebar. And he's like, well, at top of the sidebar above the fold. And I'm like, look, man, by the time they get to the bottom of your post, your book is long gone. And they're really thirsty because they read your entire post and love what you're writing. Like how better of a place to serve your book would be right there. And so 
uh, we did that. And, and about a year or two later is when I was kind of thinking around with names and just being more frustrated with the whole sidebar thing. Uh, and so uh, I created a site called No Sidebar, literally to be about design and no sidebars and, and sort of that intersected with my relationship with Joshua and, and minimalism and became much more of a figurative movement, uh, just about removing things in our life, items in our house, things in our schedule and stuff like that. Uh, and, and as a guy who's always loved design, uh, the white space thing uh, was, was just all part of that movement. And so uh, I like to say the white space in our life is where the magic happens. And so these are, these are the kinds of words and the, the ideals that I have built my life, my current life around. All right. Let's, let's dig into that. I, I'm, <laughs> a lot of people that follow my podcast are entrepreneurs and, and they like <clears throat> hearing stories, success stories, right? But from following you for so long and reading your newsletter that you put out on your new site, which we'll talk about, and from being a follower of No Sidebar as well, I know that the idea of less is more and the idea of white space, um, and I guess minimalism, although minimalism I think has like a very specific definition, but what, what I'm saying is I know that that way of living has been big for you in your personal life, in your business life, in the way that you approach relationships and the way that you keep your home together, which obviously is going to affect you emotionally. I'm, I'm very similar, very similar stuff. Just stuff makes me super anxious. Uh, sometimes when I bring people to my home, I even have to make the joke that like, yeah, we don't have a lot of stuff here. We like open space. And, uh, and it helps me a lot in my life to stay centered and stay calm. So this is an open-ended question. I kind of just want to give you some space to run with it, but mm -hmm. like where did this idea of less is more truly um, take hold in your life and, and start helping you become the person that you are? Uh, during the heyday, I'll call it, of sort of the studio press and copy blogger mid-2010s. During the madness? Uh, yeah, yeah. My wife, Shelly, and I, we, built, we wanted to move closer to my son's school. So we built a 4,000-square-foot house in a, an area right outside of where his school was. And as things started to slowly decline uh, with sales and revenue, it's just as all companies kind of go through like ups and downs, I started to feel anxiety around the house that we had, the size of it, the, the size of our mortgage, all of those things. And I remember very specifically a conversation Shelly and I had sort of amidst all of this. And this was as my relationship with Joshua and the things that he was talking about sort of from a, a, a minimalism standpoint, less is more, all that kind of stuff were kind of working their way into my system. Uh, her and I had a conversation where I was like, look, you know what? Like sometimes the answer is just not more money. You know, like we have all of this stuff we don't need. We have a mortgage. We don't need a house that's too big. Like I'd like to make... <laughs> the the proposition that we sell this massive, beautiful house, dream house that we just built. Uh, and so that was sort of the first time where like it really, the, the whole less is more, I know it's, it's almost a joke now because everyone seems to use it. And the word minimalism in and of itself is sort of a cliche. Yeah, it's like a buzzword. It is. And, and I have my own thoughts and feelings around that, but, um, when it, when your life really feels like you can't, take the next step or just when there's no happiness, I was like, we spend so much time making a living that we had no life. And, and when you really come to terms with that, 
Um, and it's not just something that you think every once in a while. And I was like, you know what? We have to sell our house. This makes no sense. It's affecting me. It, it makes me feel like I have to do more when there's little time left to try to make more money to pay the rent for more things. I'm like, yeah. maybe sometimes the answer is like needing less money or needing less this. And so we sold our 4,000 square foot home uh, and live in, in a smaller home now. <clears throat> and to be perfectly honest, much happier uh, with it. And so uh, on many levels, from a living standpoint, from a, you know, what's in your closet standpoint to what's on your website standpoint, uh, I feel like uh, space is usually always at a premium and uh, the breathability, whether it's, you know, somebody on your website trying to read through your content or just waking up and, and what does your day look like? These are all things that I've, you know, started to understand the importance and I'm 45 now, like I don't have the time to hustle or the desire to hustle in the same way I did 10, 15 years ago. So, you know, like I just, I want margin, right? There's, there's room for, for cre even creatively, like the answer is not to sit in front of a computer 18 hours a day because productivity doesn't necessarily e equal how much time you spend online. And so yeah. sometimes, you know, like I just going to go for a run or take a hot shower and I can come up with or be more creative in that time when I'm not in front of a computer than if I were to spend three hours kind of banging my head against the wall trying to figure out something to do. I, I, I really love this topic. It's had a big impact on my life as well. I, I watched one of those documentaries. Um, I forget what those two guys, what their names are. They're, they're kind of like rock stars in this whole minimalist. Yeah, Joshua Fields, Milburn, and Ryan Nicodemus. Yeah, them. Well, they did that documentary and um, there was a line in it that said, you can never have enough of this thing of the things you don't need. And I just remember hearing that and just being like, whoa, <laughs> like it's, it, there's really something to having everything that you need. And uh, when you can appreciate that, how much clearer things come into focus about your, what your priorities are. And I think that's like a really great a really great recipe for happiness. And another note on that, which I think is fascinating, I read about the same time when I was kind of really diving into it, I read this crazy, it almost seems like common sense, but at the time it was pretty profound, where the correlation between the amount of square footage per person in a home related to depression is, is just really, really high. So like, the more square footage each person has in, in the home to themselves, the sadder they are. And I just remember thinking it's not, and you know, it's common sense now because we know these things, but there's still all of these uh, forces pulling us in, in other directions. But we know that bigger isn't happiness. We know that it's the people around us and the family around us that, that makes us feel good. And I just, I remember reading that study and finally that was the moment where it just sunk in where it's like, ah, like I get it now. It's, it's about the relationships I make and the work that I do and not, and not the outside factors. Yep. Okay, so you said I want margin. Um, I read your recent newsletter where you read a blog post about somebody that talked about adding margin in their lives and in their websites. Talk to, it seemed like when you read this article, it like had a real moment for you and it impacted you maybe along the same lines that that article impacted me. What are you getting at when you say I want margin? What's the bigger picture? Well, that article in particular was really more about the business 
perspective of margin, right? It, it was a, an article by Justin Jackson called Good Businesses Have Margin. And I really just talked about kind of the um, sort of the multifaceted approach for having a business from a time perspective with margin, from a money perspective with margin. He tells a short story about how he and a friend uh, chased down a longtime dream and they launched a, uh, a skateboard shop. And it was just kind of talking about sort of the nuances of having physical products and, and you know, banking on other people's desires and things like that. And it was really just an article encouraging uh, people to sort of, if anything, the, the takeaway I got from it was really about, um, and it actually in, in my walk right now, specific to minimology, I was heading down a, a physical product kind of mental path of like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to emulate Jeff Sheldon at Ugmunk and I'm going to create minimalist items and sell them and all that kind of stuff. And when I read his article, it was a showstopper. And I was like, Oh, Yes, the hustle, working, 10% margins, all of those things. And I was like, okay, it sort of forced me to regroup and, and think, okay, well, you've already got 10 or 12 years worth of doing things online and you always loved making money while you slept and things of that nature and sort of, sort of shifted the way in which I'm viewing my path forward. So what was your, you talked about minimology and thank you very much. That was going to be my next topic. Minimology is, is your new project. It's, um, mm -hmm. I, I guess I would consider it almost a personal brand for you where you're taking some of these ideas that we talked about and you're, 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 um, you're making them concrete, something tangible that we can all look at. But so what was your original plan? I don't know, Ugg Monk, I don't know about minimalist items and and what is your plan now like how has that shifted so i wanted to come up with um after uh you know the sales studio press and and this was a little bit before but with the intention of of um letting go of my ownership of copy blogger which which you very know <laughs> much about because you're the new owner of copy blogger thank you very much we can talk about that later also you're welcome um thank you for helping me out here <laughs> uh I wanted to create something that was sort of longstanding and really was a demonstration of, of all of um, the things that I, I value. Uh, I, I call minimology sort of a culmination of everything I love and everything I've learned from a, from a life perspective, from a business perspective, all sort of through the lens of, of the things that just are important to me. And, and I didn't want to really come up with a tagline that was centered around minimalism because for me minimalism sort of is that connotation that Joshua gives it which is like decluttering your home and having fewer items and yeah for me it's and I get that there's digital minimal minimalism and all this other stuff but like for me it really came down to simplicity right the idea of simple living and so uh, I wanted to create a movement um, and not that it's new by nature by any means to to, to our space but uh, just sort of a an exclamation of, of what I want to stand for and what I want to do from a digital perspective, from a physical perspective. Uh, and so I created a, a, this thing called minimology, which is sort of going to be my, my creative sandbox, uh, if you will, where, where I might do some digital things. I might do some physical things. I might just write about, you know, the, the power of real simplicity and what that means. And so I just, I've, I've always wanted to sort of create like a lifestyle brand. And so this is my first attempt at doing something like that. Well, it's it's good to hear you clarify because I know that you're just getting started and and things evolve and and come into focus. But I'm when I look at it, I get the feeling that you're creating another product line of simplistic themes, uh, WordPress themes. Is that the 
Is that the bigger picture? Because what, what you just told me there, it sounds like there's an even bigger picture behind it. Yeah, the theme thing is the very obvious picture because it's just, it's fresh in, in me. It's, I, I love designing for the web. And so the, the first iteration is I've been trying to figure out uh, what to do with it. You know, quite honestly, I was going to go a little bit differently with it up until I read that, that article from uh, Justin Jackson. Um, I was like, this is easy. This is expected from me. And, and, I, and I, in the, even in my newsletters, I'm very clear. This is just the start of what I want this to become. Uh, so, so right now, yes, when you land on the homepage, it talks about minimalist design and there's a screenshot of a theme and, and uh, below that are the themes that are available and all that. And those will ultimately uh, end up on a slash themes page where the homepage gets replaced by sort of a bigger picture when I have time to really sit down and write out like the ethos and the mission. And when I even have clarity on where, where I want minimology to be. So uh, the theme thing now is sort of the leading horse in this stable, but it will most certainly get passed at some point by sort of the the bigger, more ethereal vision of what I have for it. You know, I really personally love that you're taking this approach. I'm an advocate, not because I know any better, but just because this is the only way that I know how to do it. But I'm an advocate in starting before you think you're ready. And I even really appreciated how transparent you were in the, the, the announcement that you made where you said, I'm not ready, but I got to hit publish on this thing because I, I keep second guessing it. And from hearing you talk about it and you have bigger plans, but they're kind of still coming together in your own mind. I just, I don't know. I'm always jealous of people that know exactly what they're doing and then can build this thing. And then just like, hit publish and put it out there and bam, it's, it's ready for the world. That's, that's never happened to me. It's always just been sort of a, like a, a stumbling my way forward and, and learning lessons along the way and, and ultimately probably spending more time than I needed to if I had a, a clear end goal and a clearer picture. But I, I still think that there's, more, there's a lot of value in being upfront and transparent about the process and almost documenting the journey as you're doing. Yeah. You know, one thing I've noticed over the years in, in the various sort of transparent movements that I've also sort of, you know, dating back to a site unfiltered.me, which was an idea and authentic, which was a recent project is I feel, and I, and I tweeted this, it's one of my nine favorite tweets. I tweet this, my own favorite tweet, which is, I think uh, the greatest gift you can give someone is the reassurance that they're not the only one. I think in our space, in the, the online internet space, uh, everybody's trying to do something. And within that is sort of a breeding ground of people to have self-doubt and imposter syndrome and, and mental health issues, which are very much at the forefront of a lot of things these days. And I feel like there's so many people who just need to, to know that they're not the only one thinking this or afraid to do that. And so um, I, I perfectly honest, like I learned early in my 20s, the importance of sort of owning things and, and sort of taking ownership of your baggage and, and talking about things and being upfront and communication and sort of clarity and awareness and all this stuff and how, how important that is uh, in recovery. Uh, two different opportunities I've had to sort of recover from from ground zero for lack of a better term. And so each time I write something that's very personal, uh, I always get a response from, Oh, thank you for saying that. I thought I was the only one who felt this or whatever. And I feel like we perpetually live in a, I'm going to ship it later or a V one 
uh, mentality where like, there's never a V1. You're never yeah. ready to fully be ready. And so like, I like to try to adopt this 0.9 mentality, which is like, it's okay to ship something that's not finished. I right? love that. Um, and, I, and I think a lot of other people need to hear that and see that too. And so I try to live by, um, by that in hopes that it encourages other people to, you know, to put themselves out there and to risk and to, to, to try and to iterate. Cause I'm not, I don't know everything. Right. And so I will go out the door with what I think is version one and people will respond one way or the other. And I may have been wrong all along. And so I spent so much time between, you know, sort of the, the 0.9 and 1.0 version, like six months, nine months, a year. I'm like, well, I spent all this time and this isn't even what they want. So if I would have gone out the door with 0.9, I could have iterated or have been flexible with my models and stuff like that. So that's just, that's just sort of how I roll, I guess. No, I, I think, wow. I think you said so many things there. When, when you and I got on that Zoom call and um, we were hashing out some of the, the deals for Copyblogger, I, I remember even saying to you like, hey man, I wish we didn't have to get straight to it because I feel like there's, there's a whole lot that we would have in common if we got a chance to talk and learn about each other. And what you just said right there is, is one of the reasons why I'm, I'm grateful to have this conversation because there's, there's so many people that look at the online entrepreneur space and they think of it as like this ideal and they see these, it's, they're almost like new age celebrities, right? These startup founders and these people that, that have it all figured out and they nail this perfect version of a product. But what they don't see is a lot of times those startups are millions and millions of dollars in the hole and have a ton of VC pressure on them. And you know, they got Instagram smiles, but they don't see those boardroom meetings with the, the, the VCs saying like, where's our profits or else we're going to pull your funding. They also don't see the, they, they just, they don't see the, the journey of it because it's so easy to present this, this ideal of success when in reality, the success is like we talked about is doing things seeing what happens, learning from it, getting a reaction from people to figure out exactly what it is that they need, and then kind of adjusting along the way, or as you said, um, iterating. I just, I think so many more people need to hear that because it would help them feel more secure that they're doing the right thing, that it's okay. Like you can, you can go a little forward and you can go a little backwards and you can learn some lessons. It doesn't mean you're a failure. It just means you're figuring it out. Yeah, my friend Corey Miller, uh, he created a company called iThemes way back in the day. He did a, a talk a few years ago at a WordCamp called The Iceberg of Life, which I've written about a couple of times. Uh, and it shows uh, in his post a graphic of an iceberg, you know, above and below water. And, and so much of our life online and otherwise, uh, it, you know, all people see is what's above the water, right? It's sort of the tip of the iceberg. And this whole talk is about, you know, all of the other stuff that comes you know, what we show on Instagram is the tip of the iceberg. Everything that leads up to that, that shot, the, the 40 takes, the doubts, the this, that's the next things. That's all. I mean, the iceberg is like 98% of the iceberg is actually below the water and what people don't see. Um, and, and to be perfectly honest, I feel sometimes that way about me. People are like, oh, he sold Studio Press. He's a millionaire and he's living the dream. He's doing nothing. And I'm like, oh, no, it's the furthest thing from that. I, I'm no, by no stretch anywhere near being a millionaire. I wake up every day with self-doubt. I spend 20 hours a day thinking about what I'm going to do next. And, and while I have days where I'm really, really down, I have a lot of days where I'm excited about the freedom. 
But trust me, man, like <laughs> life isn't just what you see online. And if it was, then, then I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. So I wasn't really sure what your comfort level with talking about some of these big changes and, and transitions in your life were, but since you brought it up, I'm, I'm just going to run with it. Go for it. I, my wife and I like watching Shark Tank because obviously everybody loves watching Shark Tank. And there was this really funny moment where Mark Cuban talked about how he sold his company for like $2 billion and the next day he was still sad. And um, in talking with Brian, the other Brian, Brian Clark, and you know the, the short conversations that we've had, and in thinking about some of the other websites that I've been spending you know, so much of my life, 10 years on, and, and what it would look like for me if there was ever a, um, if, I, if I ever sold them or if the, an exit, that's the word, um, that's the buzzword, right? If there was an yep. ever an exit for that, like, <laughs> what does that feel like? You know, like, what was it like the next morning that you woke up and studio press, like quite literally one of the three most impactful WordPress products or companies that has ever been created isn't part of what you do anymore like what was that next day like for you strangely that the the specific next day really wasn't much different than the previous day um it was a little bit emotional i i had more emotion writing the the announcement post on studio press than i did after it was published like <coughs> excuse me I'm kind of one of those people who in the, the creation process is everything for me. And by the time it's out the door, it's already sort of like onto the next thing. So yeah. there was a, an element of that for me. Um, you know, <sighs> studio press merged into copy blogger in like 2010, our company grew uh, and much like the responsibilities of financially and otherwise with our home, like the company itself started to sort of feel the weight of all of the responsibility and the need to generate revenue and stuff like that. So over the course of 10 years, I had already sort of kind of started processing through uh, sort of the, the unautonomy of, of the ownership of Studio Press. And even during the copy blogger tenure, we had other people come in and start doing things. And we had podcasts that were not by me on Studio Press. And so it was already an element of sort of I mourned that process of letting go. Mm -hmm. um, and then when we did the announcement, you know, I, obviously it was great. And, you know, for like a, half a day, people congratulated me and thanked me and I it felt great and all that kind of stuff. Um, but the reality is like, I, I still had a, at that point, an 18 month contract that I had sort of, uh, agreed to with WP engine. So I knew it wasn't like, okay, well today I can just wake up and do whatever I want. Cause mm -hmm. there was still sort of an element of like continuation that I had to do and a responsibility to our community. Cause you know, everybody freaked out and they thought, you know, the world was ending and Rome was burning and stuff like that. I was like, all right, look, nothing's changed. They have it. They're going to invest. Everybody has moved over. So like, first of all, it's sort of like damage control, right? Just yeah. make sure nobody, you know, panicked type of thing. Um, and then it, to be honest, like I, I very quickly sort of not fell into depression, but I was depressed because I felt shackled and, and felt prisoner to the fact that here I was two, three, four, five, ten 10 months down the road. And I was still not really being able to do what I wanted to do for, yeah. for a couple of reasons. And I don't blame WP Engine for that. I mean, they just, they did what they had to. Let's make sure that, you know, we write the ship and that Brian stays on and that fluidity continues and stuff like that. And I enjoy doing work with the team and all of that stuff. 
but it wasn't until just a few months ago when I really started to say, okay, it's really time for me to figure out what I want to do on my own. Um, just because, and, and so it was like a, like a delay of almost a year and a half from when I really was able to sort of celebrate that exit. Uh, cause there was so much, uh, you know, and, and thankfully we worked out a deal with copy blogger because that was still a small part of like the, okay, well I'm part of this, but not really, I'm not really interested in that right now, but I want to be doing other things, but I'm still owner. Like, and so, uh, like the first of the year was like really when I was able to finally say, okay, now I'm fully, um, for good or bad. Right. Cause there's, there's ups and downs to being totally on your own. Yeah. Um, that was like the, that's when I really was able to celebrate it. But you know, from a, on paper and what you see in the news and like, Oh, exit and everybody celebrates and, you know, holds up a glass and all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, but that's just like what we talked about earlier. That's just like what you see on the surface. And there's so much more behind that. You know, there's the, uh, the biggest fear I, I had, and uh, this is kind of where I'm personally at right now is, you know, what happens afterwards, right? Like you really want to get to that point cause it's cool to build and sell and all that. But when it's the only thing you've ever really been known for, and we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, when it's the only thing you've been known for, there's sort of that, that imposter. Was I at the right place at the right time? Was it serendipity? Was I good? Was I smart? Wow. How did I, you know, there was a book way back in the day. I, um, I read one time called once lucky twice good. And so it's like, yeah, we sold a studio press and that's great. And that kind of wraps up the last 10 or 12 years of my life. But what about the next 30? Right. And like, then the, the doubts creep in, like, were you lucky? Were you just at the right place at the right time? Or are you good? Are you smart? Are you genius? Are you brilliant? Is there a future for you? Do you have to go back and work for somebody? Like all of these things are kind of the things that I think about now um, almost daily. It's like, oh, I wake up and I'm ready to conquer the world. And by the time the day's over, I'm exhausted. And I'm like, forget it. I'm just going to get a job, <laughs> you know, like, and it's like a daily, a daily pattern, like not a pattern, but like just a, a, an habitual thinking like, here we are again. Like, okay, I'm not good. Or I'll see something on Twitter. Somebody just, you know, launched something or designed this. And it's like, all of a sudden I'm like, I'm terrible. What was me? You know, like, and then I'm like, well, you are the person who built a multi-million dollar company too. So don't forget that. And so, you know, the, the voices in our head are, are, really, really good and really, really bad sometimes. They certainly are. And I think it's great that you're talking about these things. And it's been really great for me too, because now that I am a part of Copy Blogger, uh, when I was, and still am, but one of the websites that I've built that I'm really proud of is something called Sober Nation. And the people that follow me know about it, but it's a really huge blog and resource and uh, community basically for people that are in recovery from addiction. And as, as I was building that, I would read copy blogger every day. And that's basically where I learned about content marketing. Um, and obviously studio press is where I built the first uh, version of that website. And the point I'm getting at is I would see all the work that you guys were doing. I would see this huge operation. I would think to myself like, wow, you know, like that's, that's where I want to be. That the, these are the people that I really want to emulate. But after talking to Brian, Brian Clark, and even just having this conversation with you, it reaffirms a little bit of the idea that it's, it's, it's almost going back full circle to the less is more, you know, it doesn't have to be bigger to be better. It can be small and it can be useful and it can be valuable and it can be 
streamlined so that your time isn't so, so that you're not selling yourself for your time and you're not, I'm not crushing myself in front of my computer for 12, 13 hours a day. I think that those are like such important lessons for young entrepreneurs to see so that they know just because it's bigger doesn't necessarily mean that it's, it's, it's doing better. A lot of times it just means that it's pulling a, a bigger anchor and mm -hmm. that lean could be, could really be like a better way to live your life and, and run your business and sustain your happiness. Yeah, I think Paul Jarvis is like a really leading and well-known pioneer sort of in the space of company one. And I'm, I'm pretty sure what he's done is sort of uh, been the catalyst for what Brian has gone on and sort of started over with um, unemployable and further yeah. and just the whole idea of seven figure small and, and all of that. And I think, but it, it, I think it's the OG people who are starting to realize this, right? The people who've kind of seen the evolution of the internet and the downfall of you know, likes and, and the generation behind us, uh, millennials and such, I still think they sort of live in that the more, my son is this, he's 15 years old. And he's, the first thing that comes out of his mouth is like, I got 18 likes on this. I'm like, yeah, who cares? You don't know any of those people. Like, <laughs> but I can't tell him that, right. Cause he kind of needs to learn that for himself and stuff like that. But, but to your point, um, yeah, like, I have a, a, an email list of 2,500 people, which seems small because other people flaunt and put all over, oh, I got 100,000 people on. And Paul, was it Paul, I think just the other day was talking about this on Twitter also. Uh, and Jeff Sheldon too, I think, um, from Ugmonk, he was talking about like, what good is a 600,000 person list if your open rate is 2%, right? Yeah. It's sort of like a false, uh, a false narrative and a false way of like identity, like, I have a thing that's 600,000, which is on the surface, great, but below that, right, the iceberg of life, like whatever. I'm like, okay, so my 2,500 email list has an open rate of 52%, which means 52% of the people who are subscribed to my email letter care enough to open the email, and that gives me more worth than having uh, 600,000 and then seeing 2% because I get depressed when nobody opens my email that way. So it's really about perspective uh, and sort of being mature enough uh, from an age-wise perspective, but also just, um, you know, just just to understand that there's, you know, lean can always be more potent, right, in terms of revenue and sure. actions and stuff like that. So, wow, so cool. Um, <laughs> it's just, a, it's a real moment for me right now um, to be talking to you, to be in this position where. I'm coming up on a pretty big milestone in, in my life soon and to see how the things have kind of come full circle for me. And then it sounds like you're going through a lot of these, these transitional periods. And I guess, I guess the place to leave off on this is sort of what, what we talked about in the beginning, right? Just this whole aspect of a journey. You never exactly know where you're going. And if you just wake up every day and you, you do your best for that day and you don't get too hung up in the past and you don't try to think too far into the future. You just stay in the moment and do your best. Like things just seem to work out. And at least they have for me. And it, it sounds like the case is, is the same for you. Yeah. It's funny when you talk about journeys and, and just that waking up each day, it, it makes me think of the scene in Titanic, the movie with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet. And there's a scene in there where they're all eating uh, they're under eating, the bridge, right? Yeah. Yeah. Eating, eating dinner. And, and what, like we said, what the perception is from the outside is um, Kate Winslet, who is, you know, going to marry this rich guy and she supposedly has this perfect life and all this other stuff and she's nothing but, right? Which is like why she was ready to jump off the ship. But there's a scene where uh, I think Kathy Bates asked, you know, they're talking and he's like, it's like, yeah, you know, 
I like not wake, not knowing what's going to happen today, right? I, I just the other day I woke up, you know, I fall asleep under a bridge, and today I'm having dinner with you fine people on the grandest ship of the earth, and I'm like, you know, like. 10, 20 years ago, whenever that movie first came out, I was like, oh, that's dorky. But now I'm like, <laughs> now you get older, right? Like more mature and, and wisdom and all that. I'm like, man, like that's really freedom. That's what freedom looks like, right? You don't have to have a lot of money. Uh, and to, to the point earlier where you, like money doesn't always, and, and in some cases, I mean, talk to people who are in Hollywood or athletes who've, I mean, with a lot of money comes a lot of responsibilities and all kinds of opportunities to go wrong. Uh, and so I've learned, um, as cliche as it is, less can, can very much be more. And, and I'm much more yeah. content with, you know, with things that are not quantifiable by revenue or followers or likes or comments or any of that kind of stuff. That's great. What a great message. And I really hope that you continue to be transparent in your website, in your newsletter. And, uh, I've, I've done a good amount of podcasts at this point. Um, a little bit more comfortable, although I still get nervous basically <laughs> every time I talk to somebody and I was especially nervous just wanting to talk to you just because of how much of an impact you've had on my life. But this has been, this conversation I think has probably been my, my favorite episode so far. So um, uh, again, Brian, that. I really appreciate your time and, and thanks so much for coming on my show. Thanks for asking, Tim. I appreciate it very much. Yeah. Um, before we sign off, so we mentioned a whole lot of stuff you got going on, but I, I want to make sure that people know about Minimology. Um, is it just Minimology.com? Do you have social media attached to it? Where, where can they find you? Yeah. So personally, I'm pretty much B Gardner at everything. Um, I do have BrianGardner.com. It's sort of an evolutionary work in progress. Um, but the, the project itself, Minimology, uh, it is spelled uh, I-E at the end, not the traditional Y because uh, even though I'm old, I'm trying to be hip still. Uh, so yes, <laughs> minimology.com uh, and pretty much every social under the sun I was able to get because I did a little research before I chose the name. So Facebook, Twitter, you know, Unsplash, Medium, like LinkedIn, anything you could think of, it's slash minimology. So great. I will make sure I have all of that stuff in the show notes. Uh, hey, Brian, again, thank you for taking the time on a Friday to, to talk to me. Have a great weekend and um, it's great talking to you. We'll do this again soon. Take care, everybody. You too. See ya. Hey, guys. It's me. It's Tim. One last time before we wrap up, just wanted to say thank you for tuning into the podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes. Please leave me an honest rating. Please follow me on Spotify. It's the best thing you can do to support the show. If you want to find out more, go to timstods.com. Feel free to fill out the contact form to reach out to me personally. I always respond. I appreciate you guys so much. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one.